Welcome to the Dr. Vincent Buscemi podcast, The Survival Guide for Dentists. This wonderful dentist on the screen doing breath work for dental anxiety is a relatively new dentist. I think graduated, she said, in 2018. And she has such a nice and inspiring Instagram. This is Dr. Brittany Baker. And her Instagram really focuses on just like peaceful, happy stuff. She's trying to help people not only have release from dental anxiety, she talks about her own anxiety. And we re- In this podcast, we really dived into how she struggled but overcame depression and anxiety in dental school and in her early career as a dentist. And she opens up about seeing a therapist and even opens up about taking some medication for anxiety, which is rare for people to be that honest. Brittany, thank you so much for coming on your podcast. Uh, you did a great job, and I know you're going to do great things in the future. Guys, thanks for listening. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you feel stuck on the financial hamster wheel? You keep paying on your debts like mortgages, car notes, student and business loans, but they never seem to disappear. My name is Dr. Howard Polanski, former dentist, now founder of Cashflow Coach USA. I guide families and business owners through a simple system to dramatically reduce your payment towards debt. You keep your same lifestyle and keep more money each month. A recent client will pay off their house in just seven months instead of the anticipated 20 years. Free 10-minute discovery call will determine if I can help you too. Go to CashflowCoachUSA.com, scan the QR code, or call 512-608-1020 to find financial freedom faster. Are you tired of using ineffective cosmetics and personal care products filled with harmful chemicals? Meet Ancestral Cosmetics, an our range of highly effective products rooted in ancestral wisdom and made with edible ingredients such as beef tallow, olive oil, and raw local honey. Check out our best-selling tallow and honey balm for soft and smooth skin or our revolutionary tooth powder made from eggshells for effective teeth cleaning and whitening without any toxic ingredients. Free US shipping for orders over $50 and you can shop now at ancestralcosmetics.com. Perfect. Brittany, I'm so excited you're here. You have such yeah. a cool Instagram. Thanks. So <laughs> tell me, what is your motivation to post about your daily life, your mental health, and why are you trying to help other dentists? Because I can know, I know how hard it can be. You know, like it's sometimes the days are really, really tough and we take care of people all day long and often we forget about ourselves. So it's really important to put yourself up high on your priority list so you're able to take care of others and, you know, just show up and be your best self. Have there been times in your career where you haven't put yourself high on the priority list? Yeah, definitely. So like back in the beginning, it was really tough. You know, Um, I think a lot of dentists go through that where in the beginning, you're just kind of giving it your all and you kind of forget about yourself. Um, You know, for me, I started taking care of myself in dental school. That's, you know, where I had some of the hardest times in my life, to be honest with you. And, you know, I started those practices of yoga, meditation, just setting intentions for the day and all of that back then um, during that chaotic time. <laughs> so I just kind of carried it on with me um, into practice. What triggered you to do that in dental school? I had no, no. choice. I had um, just 
a really bad mental breakdown one day over just a test that I took. I didn't do really well on a test. I honestly can't even tell you which class that it was in, but I had failed this exam. And I remember I went down to, we have like a little guidance counselor type person in our dental school. And I went to her and her name was Rachel. And I remember just sitting in her office, just like weeping. And I was like, I'm not going to make it. Like, I'm not going to make it through dental school. Like, this is it for me. Like, I'm not smart enough to be here. I'm not good enough to be here. And in that moment, she sent me straight to a therapist and a counselor for um, students who were having kind of like a crisis moment on campus. We had, you know, someone there who could talk to us. And I went over there. And I think that that's really where I started to realize that I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, And that's whenever things kind of changed for me. So it might be your generation or just maybe you're more aware why were you so willing to see a therapist when the counselor said, Britt, you need help? Why didn't you think to yourself, I'll just study more and I don't need a therapist? Yeah. So, you know, in that moment, I just felt so low. And, you know, whenever you're in dental school, there's a lot of us who are top A, kind of perfectionist, very hard on ourselves. And we put a lot of stress on ourselves and we don't really, you know, think about what we need sometimes. And so then we end up depleting everything and then we're stuck in a situation where you're sitting in your guidance counselor's office, like having a mental breakdown in the middle of the school day. And so, you know, I was just so upset during that time. And whenever she was like, I really think you need to go and talk to this therapist. I was just like, holy crap, like, I'm not okay. Like, this isn't a normal way to feel. You know, I thought that it was just normal to feel the stress that I was feeling, like the weight of the world that I was feeling um, during that time. But I found out that I was really the one who was being hard on myself and causing myself Um, to have these feelings what about failing that test was so heartbreaking for because i'll tell i'm like eight years older than you i failed a lot a lot of tests in dental school and undergrad um but (laughs) what about failing that test was so heartbreaking i think that i've always been someone who gets good grades you know all through elementary school high school college like i was always like really good at, you know, studying and doing well on tests and things like that. And in dental school, you know, there's just a whole lot more on your plate and it's a lot more difficult sometimes. So um, whenever I failed that test, I it upset me because I had really, really tried to study for that test. Like I had really like thought that I had done what I needed to do. I obviously didn't actually do what I needed to do. But in my mind in that time, I felt like I had worked so hard. Like I'm working on all of this stuff. Like I feel like I was like trapped almost. I felt like I was like in jail. Like I have a certain amount of time and I have to ration that time. And I felt like I just didn't have enough time, if that makes sense. And so whenever I failed the test, I felt like um, I failed something and I made myself a victim. I was like, it's not my fault because they're taking my time away from me, you know. And so that really upset me, too, because I was just like, I'm trying so hard and I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough, you know. So not my mate. who's taking the time? The dental school? Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, you go to school eight to five, and how do you go home and study after like you're so brain dead? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. So exactly. in undergrad, you probably got straight A's, and then you get to dental yeah. school, and it was like maybe did well later, but in the beginning, it was very hard to achieve A's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I had the same experience. I graduated top of my class in undergrad and actually pretty yeah. close to dead last in dental school. Yeah, I say I was the same. So when you went to the therapist, what were some of the initial things you did to get out of this hole? You know, I just I remember I just sat there and I just cried and cried and cried and she was listening to me and you know, I just want to be completely honest. I'm not going to say that that therapist changed my life. What that therapist said to me that day, I couldn't even tell you what she said, but it's just the fact that I went and I knew like, okay, I've been sent here to this place to get help because I'm not doing well. And whenever I went there, she had the tools that could help me get out of that situation that I was in in that moment. And I knew that I didn't want to end up at a place like that again if I could help it. What were some of the tools? You know, just intentions, um, time management, things like that, you know, set, saying like planning my time so I can say, okay, with my time, this is what I'm going to do with it today instead of at the end of the day looking back and being like, where did all the time go? You know what I mean? So I would feel more um, control in my with my time because the time was really what I felt like was being taken away from me. So we're so similar. Do you feel like... You're very, very hard on yourself. Yeah. And yeah, big problem. <laughs> is that one of the reasons why that low grade was such a blow for you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like I, I equated that low grade with my worth. I was just like, well, you're, you're not good. You know, I was the same way. So mm -hmm. how do you deal with that now in the real world? Because if you fail tests in dental school, it's easy to make that up. If you have an open margin in the real life, people get decayed, they lose teeth. You can actually get there's real consequences. H how do you yeah. handle that type of self, I guess, punishment now as you're a dentist? You know, um, I'm still working on it day by day. <laughs> um, but that's one hard thing about our profession is that our mistakes are on people. You know, and like that person that your open margin is on, like that's somebody's mom, grandma, friend, whatever. And I think about that. And so whenever I have a complication happen in practice, I used to be very hard on myself about it. You know, in the beginning, I remember I was just tormented by my own thoughts. Like I would go home and I just couldn't quit thinking about it. You know, and like also just delivering bad news was really hard for me in the beginning too. Like whenever I had to tell someone they needed all this dental work done, I almost felt like I was going to ruin their day by telling them that. And I'm a big people pleaser too, so I didn't want that to happen. So I would be like, you know, unfortunately you've got some cavities in here. You know what I mean? Like that's not the approach that you want to take. Um but that's the way that I felt in the beginning. What kind of thoughts? Because I had the same thoughts, by the way, Brittany. When you would go, so I've had open margins in my career. When you would go home and you would see a crown you did six months ago that's already recurrent decay, what would you think on the drive home from work about that situation? 
man, I mean, if you see something like that, that's never good, <laughs> you know, I'd be driving home, and, like, that's something that I probably would have thought about for the next, like, week, um, I would just be really hard on myself, just be like, you know, you, you think that you're a dentist, like, you think you're a good dentist, well, like, this person, you know, just left your office with an open margin, and now they've got a, another problem that they have to deal with because of you, and it's all your fault, and, you know, if you had just done this, you know, just being really hard on myself, just being, like, brutal and um at the end of the day you know that's not going to change that open margin that's there you know like the only thing that I can do is fix it if I see a mistake that's happened just being honest with the patient and being like hey like this is here and I see this and I want to fix this for you whatever and I'm kinder to myself now because I know that everybody makes mistakes <clears throat> in the beginning I was just like okay well I'm just a young dentist and you know, after a while, I won't make any mistakes. Well, that's just not true either, because I've been working with my boss. He's been a dentist for 15 or 16 years, and, you know, he has things happen every once in a while, too. So, you know, it's just part of the game. What was the change? Because I felt the same way. I would leave work, like, break a file off in a tooth, and, like, for a month, obsessed about it. How did yeah. you make that change to stop being so hard on yourself about your clinical mistakes? Not that you make a lot. But the one you make a year, how are you less hard on yourself? Just reminding myself that I'm a human being, you know, just because I'm a dentist doesn't mean that I'm perfect or, you know, I, I make less mistakes than anybody else. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, just giving myself grace. And right now I work with a life coach and she specializes in confidence. So I've been working with her for about two years and we speak weekly, um, for about an hour. And I mean, she's really like changed so much for me. And I don't think that I would have been able to make the changes that I have without some kind of guidance. So did you have low confidence in the beginning? You know, it's weird because when I was in dental school, I did not have low confidence. I was just like, well, I'm a dental student and I'm here to take care of you today. And if I need help, that's okay because I'm a dental student. But then whenever I got out into the real world, if, you know, I made a mistake or something, like it's totally different now. Like this person just paid me $1,200 and I made a mistake. You know, like that's way bigger of a deal to me in my head. Um, but whenever I, I got into practice, you know, it, it was just different. I think that that really what, what it came down to was the money. Um, you know, like thinking about people giving me money and me not giving them a perfect product um, was tough. I felt the same way. When I was in dental school, I would think, well, I'm not a real dentist yet. So these mistakes yeah. are every, no one's fault. Then I get in the, I get in the exactly. real world, somebody would give me a thousand bucks and then I'd make a mistake and go, Oh my God. I like, I'll give you double back. Just don't be mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's how I used to feel too. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. And I think honestly, now the thing that I do that's, you know, besides just the therapy, just like what I do in practice that helps me is, um, you know, I'm really good now at spotting out things that may cause a complication. You know, I'm just like, oh, well, you know, this tooth is a little tilted, so it's going to be a little bit harder for me to get in there during this, just so you know. You know, just kind of prefacing any problems that I think may arise um, before they happen, because then you're not making an excuse to the patient whenever, you know, if a mistake does happen. It's taken me 10 years to learn that. If you say it before, you're smart. If you say it after, you're making excuses. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So are you in therapy now and life coaching or just the life coaching? Right now, I'm in life coaching. So uh, my therapist is actually also my life coach, So, which is awesome. Um, I met her on BetterHelp, and I worked with her for about a year. And then she transitioned me to the life coaching um, because I wanted to you know, get my confidence up in work. What's the difference between therapy and life coaching? Yeah. So with therapy, I, you know, I'm not an expert here, but I feel like with therapy, um, we focused more on like childhood wounds that I had and things like that. Whereas in life coaching, it's more proactive and she's giving me things to kind of set me up for success, um, mindsets to, you know, help me in the future, if that makes sense. Instead of like focusing on the past and things that have happened. Absolutely. So I won't ask you unless you're willing to about childhood wounds. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. Um, I'll just say up front for me, perfectionism is like, it's going to do me in one day that I have such yeah. a problem making mistakes. Are there certain Same. inner childhood wounds that you carried into dentistry that gave you stress? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was the whole perfectionism thing. You know, I grew up and I have amazing parents amazing parents. Uh, I have a mother who's really critical, who, you know, is kind of pointing out every single thing that you do wrong. You know, it's never good enough, never good enough. I always kind of felt like, you know, I was making good grades, but Brittany, why did you make a 99 instead of a 100? You know, that kind of, you know, nitpicking <laughs> and so I grew up like a very anxious child and you know being really harsh on myself and you know my inner dialogue to myself was so mean all the time because I just didn't ever feel like I was good enough and literally not until like two years ago and I started working on this um has it started to get a little bit better for me and I struggle with it even still like every day I struggle with it and it's something that I just have to be aware of um and just kind of stop those thoughts before they happen what was some of the very mean inner dialogue you would say yeah just like being mean to me just being like you're stupid like you're an idiot like why do you think that you can do this like that person thinks you're dumb like they definitely know that you know that you suck like yeah you're a dentist but like are you actually like you know it's in a lot of um what's it called um imposter syndrome Lots of imposter syndrome in the beginning. It's gone now. But in the beginning, I was like, who do you think you are? You're not a dentist. Like, you're just some girl. I'm the same way. Um, I grew up a little different. I have two wonderful parents. They're still alive. But I grew yeah. up where I couldn't do anything wrong. So I would I would come yeah. home with, like, three Fs. My parents were like, you're the smartest boy we know. So oh. I always felt like a fraud. Like, because I kind of knew that, like, okay, if I got a C in calculus, I'm not the smartest person they know, but they keep telling me. So all throughout my career, I would think one day somebody's going to find out I'm a freaking idiot. And when that happens, I'm going to lose everything. So wow. I would have the same internal dialogue. as I think we're both very sensitive people. I'm a very sensitive person. Yeah, big empath. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then that's like a positive and a negative. I'm glad you brought that up, being a dentist. How has being an empath negatively affected your dentistry, but also positively affected the patients you work on? 
Oh my lord! <laughs> like, such a good like topic because honestly, my empathy. I feel like it's you're right. Like it's honestly made the connection with the patient aspect of it pretty easy for me. Like I'm able to connect with people pretty easily, but when I connect with them, then I care a lot. And then I care about them personally. And that's been my um, my biggest thing is just caring so, so much about the patient. And I just, it's, it's a happy medium, isn't it? Like you have to find a balance to where you care so much about your patient, but you're not taking away from your own mental health, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, if I see somebody come in and they just have a lot of dental work that needs to be done. And I look at them in the beginning, my heart would just like go out to them. Like I'm just sitting here thinking like they're a sitting duck. They have no idea what I'm about to say. Like they're sitting in this chair and they're having a good day and they're happy. And then as soon as I tell them that they need, you know, two crowns and they've got 12 cavities on their teeth, it's going to absolutely ruin their day. And that would, it was literally in my head during those times, I would be like, okay, you have to just say it. You have to just say it. You have to just say it. <laughs> like it really did like affect me really badly in the beginning. Oh my gosh. I would say, okay, Vince, just tell them they need two crowns and like run out of the room. Like, like you're, you're not telling yeah. them they have cancer. You just like, you're, just do your best. Cause like they'll be more mad if you don't tell them. And then six months on the road is two extractions now. Yeah. And they're like, why didn't you yeah. tell me? Yeah, that that is tough because you you do have to tell them. It's, it's our job to tell them. But yeah, it, it was hard in the beginning because I'm just like I don't want to ruin their day and hurt their feelings and all this stuff. And then um, especially the patients who you know I would care a lot about like their finances and things like that. I still do. I still do care about like the finances of the patient and everything. Um, but I caught myself then doing work that I didn't really believe was best um, just to satisfy the financial needs of the patient, which would then in turn put those patients in a worse situation um, than they would have been in if they would have just done the treatment that I had recommended in the beginning. Um, and so that's a tough thing too, is just having to say no to people whenever they want to do something. And you're just like, that's really not what it needs. You know, I know that that's what you want, but that was two years ago. Um, you know, this is now. So I've been in the same situation. You're saying like you tell a patient they need a crown. I can't, af I can't um, afford it. Can I do a filling instead? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've done it yeah. where I, I think they need a root canal. Can I just do the filling? And then in two months, the tooth blows up on them. Yeah, that too. That yeah. too. Mm -hmm. I'm like, try to not do the root canal. Let's let's see if we can not do it. Because like, I really would like try to not do it if we didn't have to. But um, I was a little bit too hopeful in a couple of situations. <laughs> How else has caring too much for your patients taken a toll on you? Yeah, I mean, just feeling kind of tired. Feeling tired, um, you know, caring about people and a lot of people in one day, you know, we learn about compassion fatigue. And for me, my compassion has not fatigued. <laughs> and, but I, I wonder if maybe life would be a little easier day to day if I did have compassion fatigue, if that makes sense. And that kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like, 
well, don't you want to care about your patient? And you do, but what people don't get if you're not in this profession is you cannot care too much. You can't care too much because it will literally like just eat away at you. How would you feel if you could go home and turn off the compassion for your patients? I would probably relax. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. But, you know, I, I, w- I will say it has gotten a lot better for me in the past couple of years. You know, the first year out, it was just, I mean, I would have not sweats. I'd wake up in the middle of the night just like, oh, my God, how was that feeling doing? You know, like, I mean, I would think about everything. I would sometimes have my, this is so embarrassing. I never said this. I would have my staff call them the same day. Like if I worked on them at eight, I'd be like, call them at three and ask them if they still like me. Ask them if their tooth is okay. I have literally done the same thing. Like if I do an early procedure, like at the end of the day, like sometimes like I've actually done it myself. Like I'll be having my backpack on, like headed out the door and I'm just like, I'm going to call them. Hey, it's Dr. Baker. (laughs) They're just like, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I'm the same way because I almost need them to say I feel good and then my br- my brain yeah. can turn that off and I can go home and like enjoy my kids. Yeah, and that's that's another thing too. Like, you know, um, I dealt with that a whole lot as well. Um, just, I don't know, just being able to turn it off is good, but I think that I deal with it a lot better now. But in the beginning, I was getting my validation from the patients, you know, and that's that was one thing that my life coach and I talked a lot about. Um, it's just like I cannot think that I'm good based on what the patient thinks about me. Like, I have to think that I'm good because, you know, I mean, as you know, like we see all kinds of patients every single day and you can treat the patients the exact same way and care about all of them the exact same way. And, you know, you're still going to have those few patients that you just don't jive with who you just don't like. And for me, like those few patients that I had that I just didn't get along with, I mean, that would be what defined like my worth in my head in the beginning. And, you know, I had to know that I was good, like coming from the inside. Like I had to think that. And I, I was putting it on the patient satisfaction. I'm just like, well, if the patient was happy, then that means that I'm a good dentist. But that's just not always true. That is so insightful. How did you move yeah. from seeking external validation to turning it around and being able to validate yourself regardless of the outside? My life coach, my life coach helped me a whole lot. That that was, you know, whenever I said earlier, I don't think that I could have done this without help and guidance. Like, this is what I mean. Because, you know, it's, I'm sorry, what did you just How are you moving towards internal validation? What are you and your life coach talking about? Or what exercises are you doing? Because I still seek external validation in all areas of my life. Yeah, so I think that the biggest thing is just my inner dialogue and kind of being more aware of my inner dialogue. So stopping myself whenever I'm being just really, really mean to myself and hard on myself and, 
you know, treating myself more like I would treat someone in my life, you know, because I treat everyone around me really nicely and, you know, have compassion and understanding, but I don't always give that to myself. So, you know, just really noticing whenever I'm doing that and just, you know, being like more loving, more compassionate towards myself. Um, I also do journaling. And so, you know, this it sounds a little bit silly, but, you know, one thing that I've been doing is my journaling prompt is like, why am I good? Like, what are good things about me? So, and nothing based on like appearance or anything like that and nothing about patient satisfaction, but just being like, I'm kind. Like, I, you know, I really try to do good work. Um, you know, I show compassion to others. You know, I listen, you know, things like that. That's not silly. Um, yeah. <laughs> we live in a world now where everybody is trying to bring you down. Google reviews, nasty patients, social media. Nobody's trying yeah. to say nice things to you. Maybe your boyfriend or fiance, you said, but if you don't say them to yourself, like someone's got to, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, it all starts from within. Like the, you know, how strong you are really just depends on how strong you are on the inside. So what else are you and your um, life coach doing to build that inner confidence? You said you, you lacked two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Bringing awareness to it. I think, honestly, also talking about it every week, you know, bringing it up. It's it's just a constant goal that I have in my life. And one thing that my life coach, she was like laughing at me because I was just like, I, there was like one specific thing that I was struggling with a couple of weeks ago. And I'm just like, okay, just give me the work. Like, tell me what I have to do. Like, I will do it. Just like, tell me what I need to do and we'll get past this. And she's just like, Brittany, like, it doesn't work like that. Like, you have to process these things like I know you're willing to put in the work but like your brain has to be able to process all of this stuff and integrate it into your life like it doesn't just happen because you did the work you know like you have to actually let it sink in what were you struggling with a couple weeks ago yeah I'm trying to remember what it was like it was I can't remember what it was it was just some small like specific like thing yeah isn't it funny you'll have like 20 patients that say Brittany, you're the best dentist i've ever seen please be my dentist forever you'll have like one patient that says this tooth is sensitive and you're like that's it i'm re I i'm retiring yeah. like if i go to work and i see a patient on the schedule of like and I know that I just recently did some work on them and I see like they're in for a limited exam. I'm just like, oh no, what is going on? Like it, like as soon as I see that name on there in that little time slot, it just like my chest like tightens. I'm just like, oh God, what's going to happen? Like what's going on? And most of the time it's something really simple. You know, it's like, okay, we need to adjust the bite or, you know, there's a piece, there's an overhang or something like that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. It's like, or like a patient calls and they're like, a crown fell off, and you're like, which one is the one I just did? <laughs> yeah, is it the one I did or the other got it? <laughs> I know. Then like, it's not the one I did. I'm just like, oh thank God. Yeah, good. The tooth broken. It's not the one I know. So I I just uh, did a crown on number eight on someone, and then I saw a text message from her pop up on my phone the next day, and I'm like, ah oh, shit, did this crown just fall off? But it was a text that said. The shade match is great. Thank you so much. So I am this. See, I, too, like the, if I saw that name, the first thing I'll think is just like, oh, crap. Yeah, you know? I'm thinking I got to sell my practice. I got to move to another city. <laughs> like it's over. 
Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you feel the same way. There's like two classes of dentists. People like me and you and most of my guests that like think like us. But there's like another class of dentists that like seem like they don't give a crap. But and they're like they're like uh, floating through life like no big deal. <laughs> I just don't relate to those. I definitely I know those people. I know those some of those people in real life. And I'm just like, I don't know how you do it. Your brain is just wired different than me. It, it has to be because I'm the same way as you were. I feel so responsible for taking care of these people. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's like I feel like this is my duty. This is my responsibility, you know? Like it's a big thing. And, you know, one other thing, like when I was growing up, I'm from a really small town, and my dentist was like a community leader. Like everybody in my town knew the dentist. So whenever I became a dentist, you know, now I'm living in a much different place than where I grew up. But in my head, I still kind of had those expectations um, on myself of I want to be that role that he was. You know, I want to go into like schools and talk to the schools. I want to like have my little practice logo on their little league shirts, you know, things like that. Just like really being involved and being in a city. It's like much different than than whenever I was growing up. Are you in Charlotte? Okay. Yeah. I never I I don't know if I've been there. Is it a pretty big city? I mean it's it's fair. I, I, it's like a medium city. Um I don't know what the population is, but it's growing a lot right now. A lot of young people moving. Okay. There. So I live in Michigan and they call these people halfbacks. Have you heard this before? Where they Half- Yeah, they leave Michigan, they go to Florida, but Florida's too hot, so they come halfway back and they end up they end up uh- in the Carolinas. <laughs> That's right. I've never heard that, but that's that sounds very accurate. <laughs> so is your goal to eventually move towards practice ownership? I think so. I would love to be a partner where I'm at right now eventually. That would that would be really, really great. Um I'm so lucky. I love the practice that I'm in. I have really good mentorship with my boss, um, really good environment and everything. I'd love to be a partner somewhere. I don't really know if I want to work solo. I think that I'd work better with a partner. Um also just having peace of mind knowing that it's not like all on me. If I'm sick or something, I have somebody that can come in. I'm solo now, and that's the biggest concern. Like, I had to take yeah. a week off of work for other reasons, not vacation. And then a whole week of income's gone, but the bill, the bills yeah. are still coming in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I'm the first associate that my boss brought in. And um, I think that it's a lot different for him because now he can, like, go on vacation or whatever, and the office is still running. Like, it's a lot better. So, <laughs> tell me the di- – for him, tell me the dynamic – between the associate and now the staff you're working with? It's such a weird thing. It's such a strange dynamic because I'm not the boss, right? But also, I'm not one of them. But I'm, I, I do tell them what to do, but not everything. Like, it's very strange. And then I still have a boss. So basically, the way it works in my office, it's like my boss, me and my office manager, and then the staff. So, um, it's, it's been a little bit different. Like in, in the beginning, I, I just want to say, you know, I love everyone that I work with. If anyone is listening <laughs> to this, I'll but there was someone that I had a little bit of an issue with at first. Um, I would be like, Hey, like, can you go and um, probe my patient? And they'd be like, Oh, well I'm working on notes. <laughs> but the other doctor had asked, then she'd be like, Oh yeah, I'll be there. You know? But like with me, they would just be like, eh, like, you know, like I'm a little busy right now, whatever. 
Um, and I think that it came from, you know, two places. One, I'm a young woman, um, which is weird because I'm the same age as a lot of the people that I, <clears throat> that I work with. And then two, I am just the associate. You know, I'm not the boss.